male living space. A podcast about spas. Welcome to Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks. I'm Gib Christensen, and I love the band Sparks. I'm Jamie Yogihara, and I know about the 70s output of the band Sparks. And together, we're dissecting this seminal brotherly band's complete body of work, one album at a time, or so we have been. This episode, we're changing it up a little bit. We've just wrapped up all of Sparks' records from the 70s and decided to do a bit of a retrospective episode. It's going to be a bit less structured, we're playing it a bit loose, a bit more raw. Uh, You might hear some crazier things that you wouldn't hear in a normal episode. You know, we're pushing the boundaries with this one. Uh, We already swear. What else is cool? What's what's different about this episode, Jamie? Well, for one thing, we don't have any pre-written materials in this episode. We usually come out talking with our Sparks book reports, which are things that we write before the show. But in this case, we are not going to be doing any of that. What we're going to be doing is going through each of their albums released during the 70s, and we're going to be ranking them from 8 all the way to 1. Indeed. It's a different, even more riffy structure. We might do some crazier things live. It, it, it's almost more of a switch from NPR to Howard Stern. Isn't that what everybody wants? I might eat a live moose whole on air. But that's for later. So, Sparks started out as a Beatles pastiche retro rock and roll band, trying to make it with their own style, all the way to uh, the last album we covered, number one song in heaven, big left turn for them and in between we've got a ton of experiments in terms of shredding guitars even a little bit of electronic play in the first couple albums sort of teasing at the future some big band already within one decade they've played with a bunch of different genres with obviously a range of success especially depending on if you talk to me or jamie there have been some ups there have been some boats that are slow, uh, bits that I have successfully killed, buried, and beaten like a dead horse. We'll make a t-shirt out of it soon. I hope it sells out. There's already a ton of material we can talk about here. It's definitely one of their most prolific decades. Right, with 26 albums out in total, with the 27th on the way, it seems as if we're nearly a third of the way through. Even though, obviously, we have plenty of other decades, it's just they were really on a roll trying to find out who they were in this decade. Sometimes releasing two albums in one year, as is the case with Kimono My House and Propaganda. Exactly. Despite random hurdles, uh, arguments with rotating bandmates, and uh, powerful Rickenbacker lines of sweet bass, they went through a lot. A number of different producers, a trip to England, Mm -hmm. a trip back to America that didn't quite work out as much, meeting Giorgio Moroder, and getting into that real nerdy old school synth stuff. Just a really good time. Uh, I've had a lot of fun covering this and reading and telling the history of these albums to Jamie and Jamie I 
I think you're having fun. I can't see you, but I think you're having fun. It's been really great for me absorbing all of this information. And I think moreover, I just really love hearing you talk about something that you're passionate about. And every episode makes it clear how much this band means to you. And as I showed Gib towards the top of the year, Sparks did become my most listened to artist on every one of the streaming services that I use because of this show. And mm-hmm. it's because of your passion that I agree to do this every month. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. That was genuinely really sweet. Yeah, it's been so fun sharing it with you and giving myself like a real excuse to take a deep dive, like really learning the history and stuff has been really nice and creatively motivating. Just having a really good time and enjoying the fan base we seem to already be accumulating a little bit it's nice being able to track and see that there are people who listen every month to my goofy bits and your tirades about my goofy bits (laughs) and then your better bits uh and then a commercial (laughs) it's going to continue to be a great time we're going to get through each and every decade all the way to the 2050s i believe you didn't read your contract did you we we put it in fine print jamie so you wouldn't know how long you really kind of penned in to be on this show oh yeah i can't read fine print i only read coarse print <laughs> i like a rough print love a rough print something that i touch it and i go Oof. that paper is still tree bark Woo! 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 no one gave this carbon paper a sanding pass <laughs> see this is what the people are coming for more and more they're realizing they're missing out on uh, our quality bits our banter and uh, occasional tax help um we have none for today but uh i mean all we can say is do your taxes so hey hello moving on shall we now take the dive into the 70s jamie let's dive right in i feel like we should rip the band-aid and talk about uh, both of our least favorite records so far the big beat big beat is at the bottom of my list too even me, a big old fan of all of Sparks's stuff, had to agree with Jamie on solid points as to how this sort of accidental sort of punk record uh, was a sort of rushed, weird misfire. It was a controversial episode. We had a, a lot of it couldn't be shown. Mm-hmm. I had to talk to uh, both the feds and the uh, local sheriff about what we said Uh, controversial opinions the controversial music it probably was also a bit of a copyright snafu that i insisted we also listen to the entirety of the beatles white album on air that's right it was a suggestion that you made towards the end of the episode and we listened to the white album so much that there wasn't even room for us to play six legally allowable seconds of sparks music and so we had to in fact deal with 100 minutes of illegally procured beatles music listen i just wanted to jam if ringo's got a problem he can come on the show you hear that richard yeah yeah, i know we know your real name we know your government name we know the the name the man gave you. Mm-hmm. You hear that, hippie? These hippies and their rock and roll. I hate it. Speaking of rock and roll, there's a lot of bad rock songs all over Big Beat. And the closest I felt that it came to a song that I would return to, the song Nothing to Do, 
I even struggle to think of anything more than the hook when it comes to recalling my memories of it. It's a real shame that their re-entry to the U.S. was complicated by so many things with their record label and by a really rushed production process when we know Sparks mm-hmm. to be a very, very thoughtful group. Yeah, Big Beat had to be mastered over a weekend. And and it also has white women. That's also a blemish. Yeah. White women. Not the concept, but the, the song. The song is a bad joke that becomes a bad song. And it's probably the worst song. And the worst creative decision <laughs> that Sparks has made in their career is releasing the song White Women. Yeah, I can't really make an argument against that. For me, the main highlight I got was just way different from the rest of the album, Gone with the Wind. Which wasn't even on the original album. Yeah, exactly. It was a bonus track that got my attention, so like that just tells you a lot. And whatever jokes landed for me didn't like stay funny on repeat listens. It's not one of those where I can dig into the layers and be like, what did he say? What is this about? It's just like... Oh, okay, I get it. We can move on. Overall, we didn't have a super great time, and we just agreed to give it the lowest ranking Mm -hmm. we could each give it on the ignitometer, patent pending. We have yet to find a lawyer that'll take the case seriously. I think if if we add silly sound effects, I feel like a lawyer will take it seriously. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Some good royalty-free stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Royalty-free pot smashing. However, Tesla Coil will be accompanied by the sound clip of Jack White telling Meg White about his Tesla Coil. (laughs) Oh, please. So, after Big Beat, Jamie, what would you say was, like, your second least favorite record? My second least favorite record of the 70s was Sparks' debut album. Right, yeah. Of course, also being the album that sparked... Eh? The slow boat gag that I dragged for many episodes, even brought in our good friend Jenna to uh, harass you with this bit professionally and uh, in a very public setting. That's right, the slow boat smackdown. <laughs> also an- <laughs> another good t-shirt potential. <laughs> it's like a rustling shirt. This is the slow boat smackdown 2023. <laughs> <laughs> keeping that in the old memory bank like even though i still found you know some highlights in it i ranked it higher i gave it the exposed wire what sound effect are we going to use for exposed wire whatever sound an exposed wire makes when it creates a spark the the main highlight for me at this point probably in hindsight while biology 2 is a classic it's a jam we both really dig it Mm -hmm. fala fali was my first long take that's right my first pitch for justin long movies that i will continue to be doing eventually maybe to a point where i've pitched more movies than he's done i want my base of justin long ideas to be longer than his filmography it's a noble goal it's a noble goal it's a great use of my time my youth Mm -hmm. my energy my pizzazz yeah what's your second least favorite sparks album of the 70s my second least favorite I would say it probably ended up being... Already gets tough for me to decide, because I know my top three, and then these bottom ones are just kind of in there. But still, especially if we're just looking at our Ignatometer 
the debut is the second lowest for me as well at Exposed Wire. Do you stand by that? I think so, yeah. I think it definitely still has some fun jams, some stuff I still get nostalgic about. Of course, I will never forget Slow Boat and, like, Wonder Girls, a kitschy little jam. Yeah, it's a good time if I really feel like some, like, old-school, cheeky kind of, uh, you know, rock and roll. What would you say are your main sort of positive takeaways from that album? I would definitely agree that Biology 2 sounds like nothing else that they've ever done. Yeah. Especially with how it embraces a lot of atonal qualities. I feel like their No More Mr. Nice Guys, for a while it was one of their best album closers. Even if some of the vocal inflections are (laughs) extra, but it introduces the concept (laughs) of Sparks being and embracing extra-ness. Yeah, it's a nice tease to be like, oh yeah, they're gonna go above and beyond. Don't you worry. When they have an idea, they'll stick to it. Because for most of the record, they're not doing anything that's particularly out there and goofy until big bands, but big bands is bad. (laughs) And Biology 2 is silly, but the musical background for it is so disjointed that it almost reads as some sort of experimental lark, but No More Mr. Nice Guys is big, theatrical, and narratively driven, definitely gives a hint as to the core strengths and enduring strengths of the group. They've never been afraid to go big. And No More Mr. Nice Guys, I think, is probably the best example of that on that first record. Nice. Very well put. Following that would be, for me at least, the multiple albums that I gave the Aerosol Can ranking to. In terms of ranking those specific ones, I think I'll put a woofer in Tweeter's clothing next. That's mine as well, yeah. Nice. I'll never not love Here Comes Bob to just to quickly let the audience know sort of our process for brainstorming on this episode. We each made playlists of our top three tracks from each album we've talked about and just re-listened and reminded ourselves what we liked and also didn't like about each record to kind of refresh our memories. And yeah, right away I had a smile when Here Comes Bob came on. It's such a funny, silly, very early orchestral kind of thing, or or just really string-heavy. It's just such a good sample, again, of their future endeavors. It's like, oh right, it's such a smart, dumb, funny, great combo of adjectives I'd use for it. That's just kind of how it was for a lot of the record for me. How do you look at the album in hindsight after we've covered a decent amount more? Looking back at Woofer, I spoke very highly of the Louvre, and I remember being very, very entertained by the cover of Do Re Mi, but these days the only song I really think about in an overall favorable light is Moon Over Kentucky. Oh yeah. And I actually saw it on a compilation that was called The Roots of Alternative Rock. So I was excited to find out that some people considered it part of this legacy of weirdo rock. And it endures as one of the most atmospheric and scary songs that Sparks has done. It stands in very stark contrast to the light touch that they give everything else. Even things they do with dark humor, those are the things especially where they apply a light touch. But in this one, the story has gravity and the music reflects that. It's a perfect marriage of idea, lyric, music, and tone. 
Russell sounds terrific doing that howling hook. Yeah. And the music surrounding it is beautifully haunting. Yeah, it's a heavy song. It managed to be both heavy and airy, as you said. It has such a nice atmosphere. And our friend Jenna, who is on for the Introducing Sparks episode, is a huge fan of this song as well. It's gone on multiple occasions just while we're hanging out to just talk about how good Moon Over Kentucky is. So it's a good time. And not, I mean, the story isn't about a good time, obviously, but it, it's a good listen. But I don't really return to the Louvre. I think knowing the gimmick of the Louvre and being familiar with, oh, there's certain parts that are untranslated, there are parts that are translated, feels like there's a degree of mystery that's been stripped from it. Yeah. Do you still listen to or think about Girl from Germany at all? I think a little bit about Girl from Germany, just in terms of how it's a good album opener, but I don't really remember much from it other than the chorus. And the concept feels more suited to some sort of novelty song than anything Mm. on a classic rock record. Yeah, gotcha. Very valid. Like, that makes a lot of sense. You could imagine, like, the Dr. Demento show playing a song about (laughs) a guy who brings his German girlfriend home, much to the horror of his parents. Yeah, very, very specific, very accurate. Uh, There's also Nothing is Sacred. Remember that? Yeah. Well, the reason why I told us to make playlists of our top three songs is because I wanted to reflect the way how nostalgia and memories, we look towards the very good things and the fond memories as opposed to the disappointments. <laughs> yeah, um, we, don't, we don't need to really break down nothing is sacred. Yeah. But overall, a fun album, a very obvious upgrade from their debut not a bad listen not super thought-provoking like you said they're not reinventing the the rockin' wheel mm-hmm. uh, but i mean it's just you could do worse you could listen to worse for sure following that record what's up next for you come out of my house ah uh, yeah their sort of star making album yes and i remember it was really interesting you were underwhelmed by the record overall but it seemed especially about the hit song. This town is, ain't big enough for the two of us, for the both of us, whichever one. This town ain't big enough for both of us, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sort of your, I wouldn't say super like disappointment necessarily, but just the, the surprise. It was, I think, surprising because it was the record I always heard was Sparks's Kingmaker record. It's the one that Weird Al first listened to, allegedly. Mm -hmm. and it's the one that he refers to when he did his Sparks style parody. So I was looking forward to something that had some sparkle to it and that really demonstrated what made them so special. And in the end, what I got were a lot of loud and fast songs, and the lyrical material didn't quite connect with me. Sometimes the length of the song would be very prohibitive to my enjoyment of it when some songs would go to like the four minute mark when I felt as if they'd sort of stated their points pretty early on. Like Equator. Like Equator, yes. One of my favorites. (laughs) And you know what, for no logical reason at all, I'll still defend it, but I think it's like a prank. It feels like an early prank song Yeah. where you're just tricked into thinking, there's got to be something else, there's more time on here. You can't just keep saying Equator at me, stop shouting Equator at me. He's still shouting Equator at me. Yeah. It's... 
it's good. It seems like less of a song, more of a torture method for getting information. Yeah, it's an endurance test. <laughs> I I see what you mean, where it really got hyped up for you mm-hmm. by not just me, but famous people. Yeah. Respectable folks. And as far as the title song is considered, you sent me the Susie and the Banshees cover of it, and I thought that was terrific oh yeah i was wondering what you thought about that yeah Yeah, so it's so cool goth rock sparks is fascinating and i'm here for it really great reverb applied to the drums that really gets across the action movie cliche elements of the lyrics Mm -hmm. and Susie's interpretation doesn't seem to be russell's of the meek guy imagining himself in these scenarios obviously it really couldn't be under the best cases Mm -hmm. so instead it's very threatening it's aggressive back to the album i also really still enjoy asta manana monsieur Mm -hmm. And while there can sometimes be a little uh, too much guitar shredding heroism, I'm still impressed by it to a degree. I I still find it fun, but also I definitely wouldn't want a bunch of albums like this. It's more like, all right, get it out of your system cool all right let's get back to whatever else you wanted to do what did you have in this slot in this slot introducing sparks Mm. the one we talked with uh, our friend jenna about includes the wonderful song goofing off of course Uh, the bar mitzvah styled song about just like work burnout and struggling to make the two days of your weekend truly memorable and actually relaxing and all that before you're propped up in a chair Mm -hmm. really fun time really threw me when i first heard it before we even did the show i was just like why all of a sudden did they decide a bar mitzvah jam i love this but why ron <laughs> it's a good old time overall as an album too kind of a return to form in a way there was sort of them trying to have a one last hurrah for their original style mm-hmm. not as a electronic experimenty even though ladies has some really nice synth yeah exactly what these days to you is the best part of introducing sparks i will always remember it for having a terrific opener and a terrific closer i feel like those mysteries is probably the best closer that sparks has put together even more so than no more mr nice guys yeah i love the notes that russell hits in those mysteries it's even hard to try to imitate but when he does like the oh it's like wow yeah it's still kind of tongue-in-cheek in a way especially with the story being from the perspective of like a child whose parents won't tell him everything mm-hmm. it's just so nice it's a very sweet way to end the album yeah. which i think is also a good way to describe it it's kind of it's a nice sweet poppy sampling that legit introduces you to sparks yeah. just by critics not being super into it one critic even saying introducing sparks unfortunately we've already met <laughs> devastating (laughs) right oh my god but going back to those mysteries again it's big and theatrical and extra you feel the essence of sparks in those mysteries Mm -hmm. while i definitely liked occupation and just dig the joke i also appreciate like what you said about it and jenna saying that like the repetition can get stale Mm -hmm especially in, like, the full-length song. The music video has a slightly trimmed-down version, which maybe is a bit more palatable, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, it can be, like, the bad kind of earworm if you're not into it. 
Sure. I still very much like that. They're forever young. It'd be funny if we tried to get people to think of that as the forever young. Just get a bunch of nerds to spread the word. Well, if there's anyone you can rely on, it's people who are obsessive about music on the internet. They are loud, and that's it. They're only <laughs> setting. Well, let's talk about our top four slots when we come back from the commercial break. We'll be right back. Totally awesome! Isn't Sparks, like, totally dutical? They're okay. Okay? Twiggy, Sparks is your ultimate favorite group in the whole world. For sure. Hello? Hi. I'm Gib from Male Living Space. I'm Jamie from the same place. Now, if you've been enjoying Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks, our uh, goofy, improv music retrospective on the band Sparks. You'll love our vast catalog of other shows where we practically do the same. Uh, what, what's a good example of one, Jamie? Oh, well, there is Tammy Hold the T-Rex, where we talk about what Tammy Wynette might have been like if she had starred in Tammy and the T-Rex, and actually going through Tammy's catalog to talk about what songs might have actually fit on the Tammy and the T-Rex soundtrack. Following that, we've also got Fishing with Real Big Fish, in which we actually managed to get the singer of Real Big Fish in a canoe with us to fish and chat. And, of course, Skank in the water. It's a good time. And, of course, we have Gone Out Fishing, where we talk about the career of Real Big Fish with Trey Anastasio of the band Fish. (laughs) There is an ACDC sound system where we uh, sort of decide which LCD sound system and which ACDC album are the best to have a blasting over each other, like two neighbors that can't decide who gets to play music for the night. Mm-hmm. We have Nerdvana, where uh, we pitch this idea that, what if Nirvana was fronted by Rivers Cuomo? It won't go very long. It's a one-episode thing. We've already recorded it, and it, it, we can't do it for very long. I, I don't have a lot of strong arguments. What's one more we have before we overwhelm the audience with so many podcasts to listen to? Oh, there's Hold'em or Fold'em. Oh, yes. Hold'em or Fold'em, our uh, sort of Kenny G retrospective podcast. Not on, not on his whole catalog, no. We're just going to be breaking down the gambler and its impact on society, politics, our culture, uh, just history in general. You know, we're reflecting on how the gambler will be in history books. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no, that's okay. And I know, because I know what people are thinking. They're going to say, why is this a Kenny G podcast? The gambler was written and performed by Kenny Rogers. Well, that is because Kenny G is the engineer for Hold'em or Fold'em. And we have all sorts Mm -hmm. of delightful banter with Mr. Songbird himself. (laughs) People don't think that he's extremely funny. And they're right. He's the anchor that keeps everything together. It's really just so we seem funnier. And also because I'll admit, uh, I only say Kenny G because we we couldn't get Kenny Rogers. Uh, We've been insisting through any sort of contact we could find. Oh, no, he he did drop in to see what condition his condition was in. He did. And you know what? It's fine. He was doing okay. He was doing just fine. He just walked in. Oh, that does remind me that we do have the podcast ACAC, where we talk about ACDC while the air conditioner runs in the background. 
<laughs> it's sort of uh, the closest we have to an ASMR podcast where, you know, it's really supposed to feel like you're right there in the air conditioner. Yeah. Um, the original title, but... I believe, was ACACASMR. <laughs> so anyway, if you enjoy Male Living Space, check out all of those podcasts. They're all three-hour episodes <laughs> long, and we uh, very much expect you to listen to all of them because we will be making a lot of inside jokes. We're spread a little thin right now, which is great because I was meaning to lose weight. If you want to suggest uh, other musicians to tackle in podcast form, that would be neat. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. That does remind me of our other podcast, Massive Attackle, where we search for Tricky for a massive attack so we can tackle him right to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And beg him to play the House MD theme on air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god and uh and there and there's a uh, comedians listening to cars getting coffee beating <laughs> jerry seinfeld where uh we we listen to the band the cars while getting coffee at a local shop and promoting it while beating up jerry seinfeld or a jerry seinfeld lookalike it's often the latter <laughs> but hey jerry if you're out there get justin long on the horn for us Right, right. And anyway, back to the show, folks. Thanks for listening to this totally real ad. Okay, bye. And we're back. We're back. Welcome back to Male Living Space, podcast about sparks. We are in the middle of our deep dive into the 70s era of sparks as we've wrapped up all of their albums from that time. We were going over our bottom slash just, you know, whatever didn't make it into the top three. Top four we've got now. Yeah, it's top four time. Tick tock, top four o'clock. We already talked a little bit about it, but my number four slot was occupied by introducing. I remember it for having a really terrific opener and a really terrific mm-hmm. closer. And yes, Sparks is Forever Young is a terrific song. I don't know how much I'll come back to it because I feel like Forever Young, a lot of the appeal of it for me was that after listening to Big Beat and hearing them resist <laughs> punk so, so heavily, it was just such a nice change of pace for them to actually sit themselves down and write a goddamn punk song and do it in a way where it didn't feel forced but outside of that i don't know how much i'll return to it but we'll see yeah cool what's in your number four slot kimono my house Mm. mainly just for a mix of like the importance the whole like oh this is what kind of broke them and this was sort of their big loud kick the door in like here we are look at my mustache look at his legs Mm -hmm. listen to the jams like again i definitely i don't think this town is uh one of the most important songs in history or whatever but there's just some of those guitar lines that i really dig and like amateur hour is still really funny to me i mean there's still obviously some uh sour notes in the record as well but like yeah that's the same with everything mm-hmm. all music and where we are now we're not at like the top top yet mm-hmm. now bouncing back to you what was number three for you my third most favorite sparks record of the 70s was indiscreet ah yes love indiscreet indiscreet was a record that 
surprised me with how much I took to it. Yeah. Because there was a big turd dropped in the middle of the album with tits. Um, <laughs> tits the turd. Tits the turd. That's our... Don't it, it, I was gonna say it's our mascot, but no, oh, no, God. it's not no. our mascot. I thought you were gonna pitch me another T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's usually I do the long take. Now I'm just pitching merch to shill. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's the turd of tits in the middle of the album, but the rest was a pleasant surprise for you. All the rest of it, I have really fond memories of going through the yelping suite of It Ain't 1918, Ladies Lingering, and In the Future, even if I thought In the Future had a lot of melodic similarities to stuff I heard on Kimono. Mm -hmm. But I will remember it for Miss the Start, Miss the End, which I think has one of the most interesting stories and character dynamics that Sparks has done, that I've heard thus far. Story about this couple that envies another couple's pleasurable relationship with one another so much so that they find a petty quibble in that they have to keep explaining the beginnings and endings of the things that they experience together. It's a neatly realized mundane detail of couple life that they animated so so wonderfully yeah i agree it's a really good one speaking of like nice like couple songs and stuff i still really enjoy under the table with her it's a really sweet but still complex little ditty about sort of a a young love and all that and just at your youth being mostly just ignored by the adults in your family because you just have such completely separate different lives that's like what are you gonna talk about with your uncle you're four why do you think sparks keeps returning to child narrators yeah it's really interesting how they do that especially just kind of keeping in mind that they didn't necessarily have like the most normal childhood Mm. their father passing at a really early age Mm. and kind of having them sort of take the helm with the family along with their mother so it's interesting yeah them sort of singing a lot from that perspective of like a kid with a mom and a dad and the family dynamic and all that yeah it's an interesting fascination i can't really think of many other bands that explicitly narrate their songs from a child's point of view the only other one i think i could possibly think of would be they might be giants oh yeah it's hard to do that without then making it a children's song i feel like yeah and they might be giants fell into that yeah exactly they just went full like kids music and like good for you go ahead but like i'm more interested in this for sure it was just a lot of catchy tunes for me i love looks 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 get in the swing it's just such a fun take on big bandy stuff that doesn't feel overly nostalgic it's not just them saying wasn't sinatra cool Mm -hmm. Uh, no it's 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 cooler than sinatra it's two goofuses from california what did you have in your number three spot in my number three spot i had propaganda oh because well for one achu I will never not love Achu and the endless onslaught of sneezes near the end. Sort of another funny endurance test that I like to play around people and just be like, when are they going to start complaining? When are, or, or will they? Uh, <laughs> it's a good litmus test for friends. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to lose friends, I'll tell you that. Playing Achu alone has gotten me four restraining orders that I am 
uh, I am just putting off those court dates. It's going to be weird. I do appreciate that you have been respecting the restraining orders and have been throwing rocks through windows instead of hollering. And even your serenades (laughs) have come in the form of you playing louder instruments to get their attention. (laughs) It's my tactic, my strategy, if you will. The people in your neighborhood will come to appreciate the sound of the French horn, whether they like it or not. I will make it as big as the guitar. Mark my words. (laughs) So... Yeah, just overall an album we both have a really good time with, too. You also were, I mean, you already said you're a big fan of it. And uh, especially after you being underwhelmed by Kimono My House, it it seemed to kind of get you back on the fast boat, if you will, uh, to Sparks. (laughs) And not just because the album art had them on a fast boat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was the bonus. Yeah, it was a nice sort of reminder like, oh, no, we're not just being like guitar heroes from now on we didn't just make a total permanent style shift that was just kind of a a curiosity we just wanted to see what jamming was like essentially or i guess what a shreddy kind of band sounds like when they're not a jam band i know that was a note they kept on a lot of like early rehearsals at least is they were very much not a jam band they liked having a focus and a goal during rehearsals which i find interesting all right so what's next up for you? My second favorite record of Sparks's time in the 70s is Number One in Heaven. Ah, uh, yeah. Their journey into the synth land. Yeah, I had a really great time listening to your impression of it. We both gave it the Tesla coil. We both gave it just a really strong review in our uh, Igniteo eyes. So are you still listening to it at all this day, or do you think about it much, or uh, what's it to you? I think about La Dolce Vita. I don't, oh, to be Dolce honest, Vita. I probably don't think that much about Academy Award performance. Yeah, fair. I think a little bit about the title track, or the song that inspires the title, mm-hmm. but I think quite a bit about La Dolce Vita, and just how much I appreciated Sparks taking a break from rock to just make a really fun and exciting pop song that feels very very precise and calculated while also having the carefree looseness that you kind of need for music that you dance to yeah that's such a good way to put it i was i was thinking about that too how it's like the album with the least amount of tracks and you know longer songs but in a good way. Like you said, you need these certain elements to make it danceable. It has to go on for you know enough time to dance. And yeah, La Dolce Vita is so fun. I love the bouncy basses in the background. I love the synth melodies that pop up during the instrumental breaks. Yeah, this was also the first album in which they really started to make a lot of music videos per record with very different styles. And yeah, the video for La Dolce Vita is great. It's got some good Russell dancing and very, very maniacal Ron with his new wave look. How do you feel about his shift in look, this new wave, dark Ron male? I feel like the biggest change came from the big curly hair to the short hair. Yeah. That really signaled that they weren't going to get lost in the 70s shuffle that they were going to equip Mm. themselves for the next decade because the 70s was dominated by groups with really really long hair and Mm. a whole genre of metal defined by hair and (laughs) i feel like ron opting for that more clean cut look 
created a persona that was so distinct from what a lot of people were doing in the 70s and definitely proved influential when it came to the short shorn haircuts of the British groups of the 80s. Yeah, and artists like Duran Duran have gone on to say that Ron's very, still very stone-faced method of performing inspired a lot of the you know, moody synth players of the future. I'm, I'm certain of it. Very performative frontman, but then, you know, very stiff, robotic-looking person on the keys in the back. A lot of people credit Ron for piloting that way of doing things. What was your second favorite album of the 70s? It is number one in heaven for me as well. Oh, okay. It's still, like, really, really good. I still love the album, but as someone who's listened to, like, multiple versions of some of the tracks, like uh, Tryouts for the Human Race, the album version... There's just something about the vocals I'm not super into, like the really hushed chanting of tryouts for the human race. The video version where Ron and Russell turn into werewolves just has a more consistent style, a more easier listen. Mm. I love a good slow build, but I got a little slow builded out. But I guess, again, that's dance music. It's supposed to be, you know, kind of drawn out. One minute dance tracks are, are you know, not ideal, I'm sure. So I very much agree with you that it's a super strong album and a really nice promising look at the future of what they'll be doing. A really big change up for them, especially as they sort of gave up on like the band mentality. They really just wanted to make Ron and Russell's project and then just working with Giorgio and letting him give as many notes as possible and taking them and all that is yeah super interesting backstory yeah i think being able to demonstrate that flexibility without feeling as if they're breaking any of their principles as musicians and as artists was something really exciting to see that they were still big they were still extra it's just they were working with a different sonic palette and embraced pop embraced sweetness but didn't lose the weirdness yeah it doesn't feel like a sort of a desperate attempt to bandwagon it's really more just like hmm we see this we find it interesting now here's our take on it if anyone cares it's really neat yeah so with that in mind my number one at the rank of bad toaster wasn't discreet i think it's definitely the album of the 70s that i go back to the most Mm. it's just so fun and bombastic it's really good walking music you know, roam in the city or whatever. It's just really fun to put songs like that on on like a sunny day and just kind of have a stroll to looks, looks, looks and feel like you're in like an old movie. You're the star of an old movie. I'm a rebellious youth, obviously. Justin Long is my younger pal. That's right. We're going to play it like he's younger than me. (laughs) That's right. We got a surprise long take. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very short take. It's a short, long take. It's a short, long take. Yeah, it's just a blast of a record. Of all the 70s records, the one I would want on vinyl the most is Indiscreet. It's also just like super fun to listen to all at once. Kind of like number one in heaven, Mm -hmm. in a way. A big pro of that was the fact that it flows so well from one song to another. Any other extra thoughts from you on Indiscreet, or did you want to talk about your number one? The episode on Indiscreet is our longest episode. (laughs) And it is largely in part because you spoke so highly of songs that weren't even in your top three yeah (laughs) and it just showed Mm -hmm. how much love you had for that album as a whole and how much you appreciated it as all of its elements just working for you 
yeah, exactly. Just everything really clicked into place, in my opinion. Do you feel that if Sparks had only dropped Indiscreet, if that was their first album, would that have certified them as music legends? Or do you feel like they need everything else? I think they do need everything else, because, like, a band debuting with big band music... I feel like wouldn't seem as they debuted um, with a song that was called Big Bands with a with a big bands yeah there you go I feel like that's a not super flexible precedent I, I feel like if someone's first record is super big and orchestral I really just assume that's gonna be their whole thing and I'm not sure if I'm gonna pay attention the whole time through that's where it could get too nostalgic and too Sinatra worshipy I, I feel like it's definitely a style that's in doses mm. really good. Like, it can definitely be a nice representation of what they are as a band, especially in, in, like, the 70s. I would still find an album, like, introducing Sparks to be a better, like, summary of them in that era. Sure. More of, like, this is what Sparks means. But that's about all I guess I can say on that at the moment without going on too long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's go over your number one. What are you saying? Fuck your picks. It's propaganda, bitch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Talk about it. Yo. To even have the 12-second intro of your album still hit. (laughs) Yo. I know what you're saying about how indiscreet, like, you wouldn't know how it would be if they had just came through with that. But fuck that. Propaganda, it's got everything that you would need to love about Sparks. And if they come through with with the single, something for the girl with everything, bam. Mm -hmm. Never turn your back on Mother Earth. Bam. And any of the other singles that came off that record and the album as a whole, that would be a band that you would pay attention to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have a good point. It's all very attention-grabbing. There are certain songs on it that I'll admit, last episode I talked about how Sparks has can't bus ride songs on every one of their albums. (laughs) I neglected to mention ABC from Propaganda but that is absolutely a <laughs> camp bus ride song or perhaps a song that would be used for like i don't know actors to like recite to one another for like articulation purposes oh god that's a really funny and accurate way of putting it yeah i could picture the the, the bus ride but i really could picture a bunch of actors backstage i mean ever be and see right oh my god yeah it's the new red leather yellow no a hundred percent but even that, <laughs> yeah. the way that they tied together the title with the names of the characters in it and then bringing it back together to like the thematic concept of like they thought it was as simple as A, B, and C. The way that those songs are put together, it's really unique. And like you said, Achu, we're still in the pandemic. A lot of people want to forget that, but we are still in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And that song is still haunting without being overbearing in that way yeah it's not like a bummer it isn't a bummer that chorus of loud sneezes at the end is both (laughs) funny and quite haunting yeah i've used the word haunting a few times during this episode but i really do think Mm -hmm. that not giving people the freedom to laugh away the song with something instrumental but to remind you of the very human element at the core of the song which is that people spread disease whether or not they intend to just by being outside they can do it Mm -hmm. 
I just feel like sonically it captures that anxiety around it. And there's no album I would rather return to from Sparks' catalog than Propaganda. Even though I feel like Number One in Heaven is a very, very cohesive album, every song is a terrific example of what the band can do when it plays around with electronics, but I feel like Propaganda consistently, the songwriting is there. And they're not relying on guitars to provide energy. They're doing it all through vocal inflections and catchy synth melodies. Even though it's not their bid for pop, there's so many parts of that record that stick with me. Do you uh, like Who Don't Like Kids anymore? (laughs) Gib, we're only remembering the good things. Okay, good. You're right. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, you know what, even though I think the children on the song are annoying, <laughs> yeah. again, it's it sparks this example of a bad joke taken to its extreme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are vocal runs, I'd say, from that song that do stick with me. Russell isn't half-assing it. He's really committing to this character. Yeah, true. What makes it a not great song isn't like a lack of effort or lack of trying. It's just an idea that we just don't gel with. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe because I'm... Well, you don't know how old I am, but who knows? Maybe Mm-mm. 10 years down the line, five years down the line, that song is going to have a different emotional resonance to me, whether I'll find it particularly eerie or I'll find it extremely funny. I really don't know, but I think that's the great thing about propaganda is that I come away from it every time. Glad that I listened to it another time. Very well said. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any more questions on that. That's a really good way of putting it. I really like that full explanation. Uh, very good very good how did you rank sparks 70s albums well from bottom to top we'll start with big beat yep big beat at the bottom followed by the debut then followed by woofer and tweeter's clothing after that the introducing sparks (laughs) you know the introducing (laughs) after that kimono my house following kimono my house propaganda and then number one in heaven and finally, my top album is Indiscreet. And for me, from bottom to top, here's how I rank Sparks' albums from the 70s. Big Beat at number 8. At number 7, their self-titled debut, Sparks. Number 6, Woofer and Tweeter's Clothing. Followed by Kimono My House. And then my top 4, Introducing, Indiscreet. Number 1 in Heaven. And finally, my favorite album that Sparks released in the 1970s, Propaganda. Lovely. Feel free to let us know on Instagram at Male Living Space Podcast. Uh, your thoughts, your favorite records and songs from the '70s. If you agree or disagree with our choices, uh, we would love to hear from you. We love hearing from everyone who's listening. I think it's interesting that our bottom three were identical. Yeah, really fascinating. <laughs> Now, we shall move on to the You've Got Mail segment of the show. You've Got Mail! Where we read a viewer, listener, mail for the show, whether it's, you know, fun notes for the show or threats. As long as it's legible, we'll read it on air. Uh, And, well, not horrendous. We we only read threats, polite threats. So, uh, I do happen to have a letter. I can't quite tell... Uh, if it's addressed to one of us or both of us, but oh, oh, 
it's a it's a greeting card oh okay you know those like holiday or greeting cards that like play a song or something when you open them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a hologram instead. Who's, wait, who's, who's it's, it of? It's from our future selves. <gasps> Whoa, we look great. Oh wow, we're killing it. I can't tell how old we are in the hologram, but also we seem to both have uh, twelve packs, so that's neat. Oh, amazing! Huge upgrade from my nine pack. <laughs> Yeah, and it just says, well, it says keep up the good work, in part because we're just proud of you, but also, you know, keep the timeline stable and all that. Okay, we got some time travel pressure, good to know. Oh, God. Okay, they've included a list of podcast ideas that we actually shouldn't do Mm. because they might, like, actually mess up the timeline and stuff. Okay, so good to know. There are some banned ones we shouldn't do. Oh, God, this sounds terrible. Yeah, bend it like Beck. No, it's it's an athletic podcast where we listen to Beck and do hot yoga. I, I don't like that. That sounds sweaty. No one wants to hear us sweat. And I don't want to listen to Sea Change again. Yeah. <laughs> Once is enough. Okay, good. Okay, we were not going to do that. What do you mean don't do a podcast on Riff Raff? Screw the timeline. We're doing a podcast on Riff Raff. I love that. It pains me to say this, but I fear that more years of experience has turned them into grumpy old people oh no this is a card from our old crank future selves oh no oh no oh, no okay they say don't do anything to the timeline but we, we might have to fix it if this is who we're becoming we're jacked and that's great well, again we look great but <laughs> we look great oof. but we seem unhappy <laughs> We seem like we don't allow ourselves to have fun. Okay, well, I'll keep this list, but maybe just for, for actual potential ideas. If I guess if you have any ideas you think are bad, still say them. They might be good. Quick, what's a what's a terrible sounding music podcast for us to do that you, that maybe we should do? Uh, we should do the Jada Kissing Booth, where <laughs> where we review Jada Kiss songs with any of your potential matches on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> see they say not to do it and i know we're gonna do yeah. it but i don't i don't want to do this one with uh it's tool time with maynard the tool man oh no we're gonna have to talk about the band tool we're gonna have to talk about tool while learning how to use power tools <sighs> with maynard james keenan oh no oh no i don't want to so un interested it doesn't make sense in an audio format i feel like we should have a camera (laughs) on us while we learn to use power tools no the audio is just gonna be loud power tool noise and and maynard wanting to give us math lessons oh this will truly suck the most this is gonna suck okay man maybe that's the one we'll make an exception for unless like he kicks our door in and insists we podcast about tool we're not going to podcast about Tool. We will not podcast about Tool. Mark our words, listeners. Mark our words. If one thing we've learned from covering the 70s era of Sparks is we're not covering Tool. We just <laughs> won't. So anyway, that's our takeaway from the letter I received. Did you get any or, 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 is, that, that, or is that all we have? Uh, I also received a message from our future selves. <laughs> it was... In, it was in a binary script, uh, so I fed it through the computer, but I think the computer 
see when i fed the page into the computer i fed it the way that it was like facing me so the computer read it in reverse order so i'm gonna try to reinterpret what the computer printout was of the binary text oh uh, this is an extremely advanced process, and I want people to know that this is proprietary technology, this binary reading scan. And so the information that has been encrypted by the process, by our future selves, may in fact be earth-shattering to us and, quite frankly, the fabric of our reality. Oh my. Are we in danger? We're about to find out. This is the message that has been encrypted in binary text and reinterpreted through our computer. Mm -hmm. Rule still boat slow. <laughs> I'm <a> unhappy. <laughs> Was that in the letter too, or are you just no, saying that? <laughs> that? That is that is that is me reading the message. Rule still boat slow. Oh my. And expressing deep, deep unhappiness. So the pit isn't dead. No, and neither are you, apparently. I have to tell the press. The people must know. The boat must still be slow. All right, while okay. Gib contacts the media, I would like to thank all of our listeners for listening to the show. For those of you who have subscribed, thank you for subscribing. If you're listening and haven't subscribed yet, do yourselves a favor. Get yourself a subscription. It's absolutely free, unlike those magazines. Any magazine, really. <laughs> if you like the show... Please tell us that you like the show on the podcast app of your choosing. And if you leave a review, it does not matter what sort of review, positive, negative, we prefer positive, we will read it on this infamous You've Got Mail segment. So thank you very much to all of you who listen, subscribe, and all of you who are going to leave a review. If you want more of me, want more of Gib online, good news. We are on Instagram as well at Mail Living Space Podcast. No spaces. Mm -hmm. Mail, as you all are all familiar, is M-A-E-L. Thank you for that promo. Meanwhile, I've been I've been struggling to get in contact with the press. They 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 they're not taking my Hotmail account seriously, so I'll have to, I'll have to do something else. Oh, try your try your cold mail account. Ooh, ah, my hands. Ooh, ah, keyboard's frozen. Ah. Anyway. Well, thankfully, your hand is in the perfect position to wave goodbye to all the listeners. Of course. Thank you all for listening. We're having a blast doing the show, and we will continue to throughout more decades of Sparks Crazy. After this little retrospective episode, we'll be tackling Sparks' next, still fairly synth-centric album, Terminal Jive. The first one of the 80s. Yeah, their entryway into the 80s. A new era, a new time, solid movies. Now, for your listening pleasure and ours, six legally allowable seconds of the music of sparks see you next month for the next one bye those who have it and those who can only look, look, look.